have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 32. And I'm going to try to pick up where I where we left off last week. When you, we'll get here in just a moment. When we, you, you hear the word prophecy, you can, it can sound kind of heavy. It can, can sound kind of weighty and maybe, well, prophecy, it's, um, it's, there's this, can be this in the natural. If you're not born again, you don't know the word of God. You don't know Jesus. Then it can kind of sound kind of weird. Prophet, they Prophecy, it's like some sort of like someone's, you know, a, um, someone trying to foretell the future. And so but when we come to the word of God and we hear about prophecy, what I want you to see and in, in, in what to resonate in your thinking is not just prophecy, but I want you to see as promise. A prophecy is a promise. When a prophet, they speak on behalf of God. And what they're speaking, the moment they speak it, it turns from a prophecy to a promise. A promise is a declaration of something that will happen. Now, man, we may make promises to each other. Your children may make promises to the parents. Parents may make promises to their children. But, but yet, as humanity, we have a tendency to not fulfill all the promises that we may make, correct? Correct. But I want you to know that when God prophesies something and when God promises something, it's a declaration of something that not could happen, but it's something that will happen. Will happen. Now, there are prophecies that go forth that are conditional. And if you do this, then this is what will happen. But yet, if you don't do these things, then these things won't happen. There are conditional prophecies, but then there's promises, prophecies in the scripture that, that God is, that releases in his timetable. For instance, the coming of Jesus. He prophesied in the Garden of Eden in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse, 10, verse 15. And he declares that when the moment that, that, that man, that Adam and Eve fell in the garden, he, he prophesied to, to the serpent. And he says, there's one coming and he's going to bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. And yet we see in Galatians 4, it says, in the fullness of time, God sends forth his son, born of a woman, right? So we see that that promise, that prophecy was in fulfillment of what God said is going to happen. It is going to happen. We looked last week and we talked about some prophecies because, because we saw God's desire for his people. And we saw in, in Joel chapter 2 that he said, In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and my sons and my daughters will prophesy. We saw in, in Isaiah 44 where he talked about, he said, he said I, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and I will pour floods upon the dry ground. And then he measly says this, and I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit on my descendants and my blessing on my people. I will pour out my spirit on my people and I will pour my blessing on my descendants. 
What was he doing? He was releasing not just a a prophecy, but he's releasing a promise. We saw that John the Baptist was releasing a prophecy and he was saying, hey, in Matthew 3, 11, he's saying there's one coming. And, you know, I'm not even worthy to unlatch his shoelaces. I'm not even allowed. I'm not even worthy to be a part of this. But yet the Lord's allowing me to be a part of this. And yet he is going to come and he is going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. These are promises Prophecies that we have to understand, they are promises that will come to pass. His desire is for his people to be filled with and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 32, verse 14. Thank you, Father. I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message if you, if you haven't already heard it. I believe the Lord's building on something. Verse 14, it says, Because the palaces will be forsaken. This is Isaiah 32, 14. Because the palaces will be forsaken, the bustling city will be deserted. Now, this is all coming as a prophecy Based on, it all talks about because the woman, and I believe he's referring to the church, was complacent. Because the church was complacent, they had this position where they were flourishing and thriving, but there's something that happened in between there, and something happened because of their complacency. Complacency is, you know, you you left and you, you forgot the importance of your position. And it says what will happen because the palaces will be forsaken, the bustling city, meaning this was a city that was thriving, but what's going to happen? It's going to be deserted. It says the forts and the towers will become lairs forever. A joy of wild donkeys and pastures of flocks. Meaning, meaning all of a sudden these other animals are going to come into the city. And what once was a place that was fortified, once was a place of authority, once was a place that people looked up to and people revered. All of a sudden now it's just going to be deserted. And all of a sudden just wild animals are going to come in and overtake it. But look at verse 15. Until. Meaning this is going to happen until a particular time. He says, until the spirit is poured out upon us from on high. Now listen, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. So this is going to be deserted. This is going to be broken down. This is going to be, 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 it's just going to be overtaken by all sorts of things until something happens. And it's going to, it's going to happen until his spirit is poured out. And when his spirit poured out, once was now, once was deserted, now it becomes a fruitful place. So you see the spirit of God being poured out on our lives is for us to be fruitful. The Spirit of God being poured out on the book of Acts was for the church to not just sit in the back corner somewhere and be something that was insignificant in society, but it was something that was to be a place where fruitfulness abounded and where fruitfulness was released. 
Jack Hayford says this. He says, the Holy Spirit came for three main purposes. The Holy Spirit came for fruitfulness, fullness, and fulfillment. The Spirit of God being poured out is to cause you to be fruitful, experience fullness, and fulfillment. The disciples would not have fulfilled their assignment without the Holy Spirit. Jesus would not have fulfilled his assignment without the Holy Spirit. Jesus was able to have fullness in his life, have fulfillment in his life, and be fruitful in his life and ministry because of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament church was fruitful, full, and had fulfillment because of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know, because of the Holy Spirit, you are to be fruitful. You are to operate in fullness. And you are to experience fulfillment in your life. The Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus taught many things. Let's go to John chapter 16. Now, Jesus taught so many things. That we could talk about. I mean he taught things like. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. Jesus. Talked to us about. You know the nature of a seed. He talked to us about. You know what good ground is. He talked about what thorny ground is. He talked about all sorts of things. Throughout his his writings. He talked to us about. About the kingdom of God. You know, some people think, well, Jesus' message was love, tolerance, and acceptance. There, there's some people that believe that. There's some people preach that gospel that Jesus went around teaching, oh, just love everybody. That we're, to, we're to tolerate every sin and we're to accept every sin. No, Jesus taught the kingdom of God and repentance. That's a whole other message that we won't get into today. He talked about the kingdom of God. I mean, he talked about, you know, his kingdom. John said, said you know, that there's a, you know, the kingdom of God is, is coming. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. And what does that mean? There's a new way of living coming. There's a new system. There's a new way of doing things. Jesus taught us how, how you know, love. He taught us love from the standpoint, he goes, he goes, you know, if you just love those that love you, you're no different than the rest of the world. But he's saying, my love is a different kind of love. My love is one that serves you. You know, in, in, in the, the worldly kingdom, it would, say, it would say, if you want to be the greatest, you need to walk on people and you need to, you need to be bold. You need to be, but yet Jesus says, the greatest among you is servant of all. Right? So Jesus taught a bunch of different things. But yet when we get to the book of John, and we get to specifically John 14, 15, and 16, these, this is Jesus' last instructions to the disciples. It's his last, some of his last messages you could say. And he's, and he's talking to them. And, and how many people believe that, that your last message might be probably your most important message? 
Yeah, last words. You, I mean, you're about to leave this place and let me give you everything that you're going to be, need to be successful in this life. So that's really what John 14, 15, 16, and then in John 17 is really all of his prayer. And then John 18 is when he is, when John 18 and 19 and 20 are from his, his betrayal to the Last Supper, to the, to the betrayal, to his crucifixion. And then 21, 20, end of 20 and 21 gets into his commission and, 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 and for the next phase of the disciples' ministry. But these three chapters are his last messages. The, and I believe his last messages are, should be his most important messages. Now I want to look at something in John chapter 16. And we'll, we'll come back to John here in a little bit. But, but I want to see this in John chapter 16. And I want us to look at verse 7. He says, however, I'm, I'm reading the Amplified classic here. However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable. Amplified says good, expedient, and advantageous for you that I go away. And think about that for a moment. The disciples were upset because Jesus is telling them, look, I'm out of here. And they're like, wait a minute, come on, Jesus, you can't leave us like this. So he starts this whole three chapters of don't let your heart be troubled. Right? That's how he starts John 14 out. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place, a place for you. And you'll, I'll come again and you will be with me where I am. And so, so here, he, and, and he's continuing this long synopsis of, of really dealing with their hearts and what their hearts need to know in order for them to be successful after he goes. Now, if this was something vital for the disciples that they needed, how much more for you and I today? He says, it's good for you that I go away. Meaning, I've got to leave this place because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit cannot come. And I love how it says it's an Amplified. He says, he goes, it is profitable. It's good. Thank you, Father. It's expedient. It's advantageous. It's to, Kenny, it's to your advantage that I leave. Sometimes what Jesus wanted them to see is, is you can't hold on to what you've known, everything up to what you've known to this time and just camped out right there. I've got to go. And if I don't go, then I can't send this very thing that's going to give you the advantage in your life. I'm, I'm telling you, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, as one that is considered a child, of, a child of God, a son of God, I have been filled with the Holy Spirit. So that means I have been given the advantage in my life, the advantage in my situation. I have the advantage. I am never at the disadvantage as long as I know I have the word of God and I have the Holy Spirit in my life. 
So the enemy would want to come to you and tell you what you don't have. The enemy will try to tell you what you can't do. The enemy will try to tell you that it's impossible, that this will never happen. This will never be. But I want you to know this morning, if you understand Jesus and what he did for you, and you've invited him to your life, and the next thing you know, you welcome the Holy Spirit as a gift from heaven, you are never at a disadvantage. You have everything that you have need of to be successful in this life. And, it, and this isn't just a church thing. This is an everyday thing. This is, this is on how you do things as a parent. This is how you do things in your business. This is how you do things as a police officer. This is how you do things. It's you are constantly directed and you have this constant flow of heaven through your life because you have this gift that is advantageous. It's expedient. This gift. That is, gives you the advantage in your life. I'm not without. I have everything I have need of. Jesus said, one of the phrases he used here, he goes, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you without anything. I'm not going to leave you alone. But he says, I'm going to send one. And I love, he goes, just like me. We'll, we'll get back to that in a little bit. But, but the, I, I, however, I tell you the truth when I say to you it's profitable, it's good, it's ex, excellent, it's advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, helper the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, and the standby will not come to you. Now listen to this. Into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Hallelujah. I don't want to get into next week's message yet. So, so but, but you need to, I want you to see that this, this, this gift of the Holy Ghost. And this is constantly, I mean, in, in John 14, 15, and 16, he talks about this helper. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. So you could say Jesus is prophesying. And if he's prophesying, what is he doing? He's making a promise. Acts chapter 1. I mean, we do open the Bible up around here. (laughs) Now, verse 1 says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now, what's he saying here? The former account... Well, what account is he talking about? He's talking about the book of Luke. Because Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. So when he says the former account, he's talking about the writings that he wrote in the book of Luke. This was the former account. And if you know the book of Luke, then you understand that he pretty much did this. He goes, he goes of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. Right? So, so, every, so the book of Luke had everything to do until Jesus pretty much went to heaven. He gave the commission to the disciples. 
And, and, and right at the end of the book of Luke, in Luke uh, 24, verse 49, he talks about, he, he writes down what Jesus' commission was to them. He said, now, he goes, wait a minute, go into all the world. He teaches them, hey, there's a great commission, and I'm, I'm, I want you to go, and you're, you're going to change the world. You're going to do amazing things in the world. But he says, but now, before you do that, you need to go to Jerusalem, and you need to wait there. You need to wait there. And, and as you wait there, and I mean, you wait until something happens. You, you're waiting. So they're not just waiting and sitting back and doing nothing. No, they're waiting for an expectancy because there's a, pro, there's a prophecy. Remember, a prophecy becomes a promise. So they're waiting there for a promise to be fulfilled. What does Luke 24, 49 say? It says, wait there until something happens. Wait until you're endued with power from on high. So in John, we see that it's this gift that's expedient. It's a gift that gives you an advantage. Now Luke is writing, and he said, now this gift, it's going to endue you with power. It's like you're going to put on a coat you haven't worn before. You're going to be clothed with power. You're going to be clothed with ability. And this ability and power is going to come upon your life. And you're going to be, you're going to, be able to do things that you never could before. You're going to be able to now be this witness that I called you to be. So let's look at, so that gives you, what, what, is, what is Acts 1 saying? Verse 2 says, until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit. Now, get this. Through the Holy Spirit had given commandment. So, the Holy Spirit gave Jesus commandment. Holy Spirit had given commandment to the apostles. So, Jesus is speaking by the Holy Spirit and he gives commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had uh, presented himself alive after his suffering, by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put into your hands. Meaning, meaning it is, don't worry about that. Is right now you're going, to, you're going to take over Rome right now? Are you going to take over uh, everything right now? Are you going to, to put all the Gentiles in their place and let us be king? Or are you going to do that right now? And he says, no, it's not for you to know those things. But what does he say? But you shall receive power. What you need to focus on is the power. What you need to focus on is the promise. What you need to focus on, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Wow. This is what the church needs to not put on the back burner. The Holy Spirit is not 
an it. The Holy Spirit is not a something. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the, he's the third person in the Trinity. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of glory. He's the spirit of grace. He is the spirit of the Lord. Let's look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Father. Let's look at verse 10. It says, For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And then who knocks, it will be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll offer him a scorpion. Now think about it. Now it's talking about a relationship with a father and a son, right? And so if, you're, if your son asks for bread from any, of you, any father among you, will he give him a stone? You know, no father... Now, if I asked Paul Bridges, my father, and I said, hey, can you give me a piece of bread? I'm hungry. And all of a sudden he comes back. He goes, well, here's a stone. The, the stone isn't going to profit me. I mean, it might be a great paperweight. I might be able to hurt somebody with it. Something, I might be able to do something with that stone, but it's not going to meet my need for the moment. I need bread. I don't need a stone. If Bryn came to me and Bryn had a need and there was something that he needed in his life, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do everything in my ability and everything in my power to meet that need. Right. Let me get a hand all the fathers. If, you had, if it was in your ability to, to meet that need, you would do it, right? Now, let's keep reading here. Let's look at verse 13. If you then being evil... Now, he, he's not really referring to each of us as being evil people. He's talking about natural. He's talking about carnal. He's talking about someone that just is motivated by their flesh and their thinking. So he's saying, if you being evil... Now, Pastor Justin didn't call every man in here evil, okay? <laughs> if you just being born in this natural world would give a good gift to your children... What does it say? How much more? Look at that. If you being evil know how to give good gifts. Good, good gifts. Good gifts. I like the sound of that. How about you? Good gifts. You want to give good gifts to your children. I, 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 I want to give good gifts. Do you, do you want to get good gifts? Only a couple of you. you want, do, you want to, do you want good gifts? If you being evil know how to give good, give good gifts, what is a good gift here? It's the gift that's needed. And it's best translated, if you being evil know how to give a treasure that exceeds. Meaning if you being natural can go over and above the piece of bread. 
You can go over and above the need. How much more? Say, how much more? Would the Heavenly Father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? That's what Luke is writing here. The same one that wrote the book of Acts. The same one that, that, that prophesied at the end. Disciples, go here until you're endued with power from on high. And he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more would the Heavenly Father give the gift, the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? Hallelujah. How, so how much more would the Heavenly Father give you a treasure that exceeds? Woo. Wow. Think about, think about that, Caesar. If you being natural know how to give good gifts unto your children, give unto Caesar, CJ. How much more would the Heavenly Father give a treasure that exceeds if a father, a natural father, can give a good gift, what can the heavenly father do? Think about it. Wow. He is, he, is, he is so far beyond anything any natural man could do. As much as I appreciate my parents, I'm telling you, they are nothing compared to our heavenly father. See, so understand this morning and what what I want to deposit in our hearts over our next little bit of time that we have left is you need to know how valuable the Holy Spirit is to your personal life. He's He's not a goosebump. He's not a feeling. He's he's not one that's standing there making you fall over. He's not, he's not there trying to slap you. And he's not there trying to do... Now, all those things can be results of when the Spirit of God comes upon you. And your body can't, it just can't, can't stand the presence, so you fall out. But that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a something. The Holy Spirit is, isn't... He, he is the very nature of the Father and Jesus in the earth. He is God's... Creative power in the earth. He is the spirit of wisdom. He is the spirit of knowledge. He is the spirit of counsel. He is the spirit of spirit of might. He is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. He is the representation of God in the earth. Just as Jesus was God's representation in the earth, the moment that he, he left, he sent someone just like himself to be a representation in the earth. So how dare we treat the Holy Spirit other than a treasure that exceeds? Mm. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, if you think about throughout the Word of God, we see people that didn't have what we have access to today. Yet they valued it like no other doesn't say they didn't take it from granted or they didn't, but 
But we see, we see examples. How about, how about Moses? How about Moses for a moment? We know Moses didn't do everything right or correct, but man, what a heart for the Spirit of God. Let's, can we look at that? Exodus 33. Exodus 33. I could quote some of these, but Exodus 33. I think it's verse 14. Verse 14 says, and he said, this is God speaking, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But then Moses said, then he said to him, then Moses said back to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? See, Moses is doing what he's saying. Hey, the Spirit of God is a treasure that exceeds. All the things that Moses could ask for, all the things that he would desire, even even knowing that God had done great things through his life and ministry, but yet he gets to this part and saying, hey, I don't want to go to the next place if you're not there with me. I don't want to step out into this new journey. I don't want to step into this, this thing that you want me to do if you're not going to be there to walk with me and talk with me and guide me and direct me all the days of my life. Show, and he goes on and he goes, show me your glory. I mean, I've got to have your presence. I've got to have your glory. If I don't have that, don't take me up from here. I'd rather just stay right here. I'd rather stay right here than do anything else apart from your presence. And this is someone living under the old covenant. Go to 2 Kings, I think it is. 2 Kings. I think it's 2 Kings chapter 2. Valuing this treasure that exceeds. This is the story of Elijah and Elisha and Verse 1 says, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And says, So they went down to Bethel. He said, Don't go with me. Don't, don't, don't go with me. But yet... They both went to Bethel. Verse 3 says now, says, now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came up to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know, but keep silent. I mean, don't talk about it. Then Elijah, Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Don't go with me, but they went to Jericho. 
Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he said, Yes, I know, but keep silent. So he answered, Yes, I know, keep silent. Verse 6, Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please. Please. It's like, you know, that would have to happen. You know, the Lord told me... In uh, January, uh, January of 1999, for me to come to Texas, leave Maryland, come to Texas, and, and serve this ministry. And everything that God called me to do could be fulfilled from this ministry. So I, I even had different things. I even told Dr. Savell at one point, I said, if you want me to go back and work, work in production, this was after already serving at the church here. If you want me to go back and work, work production or whatever, you can't get rid of me. I, I'll, I will do it for free. I did it for free for almost a year. You're not going to take me away from here because I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And so that's what he's saying here. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance And while the two of them stood by the Jordan, now Elijah took his mantle, he rolled it up, and he struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Verse 9, and so it was when they had crossed. They had crossed over that Elijah said to Elijah, ask what I may do for you before I'm taken away from you. Now listen to this. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Why was he following Elisha? Not because Elisha was the nicest guy. He wasn't. It was the spirit that was on Elisha. It was the spirit that Elisha was valuing. It was the spirit that Elisha had seen while he walked with Elijah and and he was valuing this gift. He was valuing, he was valuing and treating as a treasure this very thing that was upon Elijah's life. So he asked, Elijah said, ask and I'll, 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 I'll give it. And he says, I want a double portion of what you've got. That same spirit that's on your life, I want it, but I want want it double. Why? Because he desired that spirit. He desired that presence that walked with and, and, and directed and that still small voice that Elijah heard. Elisha wanted to hear it. The same spirit that when Elijah had eaten and, and, and he, he went in that strength of that food for 40 days. He wanted that in his life. Thank you, Lord. Now, get this about valuing the presence of God. I think if you go to 2 Samuel, I think it's chapter 5. You make note of this. They bring the Ark of the Covenant. They bring the Ark into, into the house where the Philistines are. I think it was the Philistines. And, and they bring it in, and it's where they worshipped a, a god called Dagon. 
So they bring, they bring the Ark of the Covenant that represents the Word of God, represents the presence of God, and they bring this, they bring what the, the, the Jews that represented the, the presence of God for the Jews, and they brought it to share the same place as their God. Now get this, they bring it in, and they, they go to sleep that night, or they, and they hear this noise. And all of a sudden, they come in, and Dagon, the statue, falls over. So they're like, wow, that's kind of strange. So they pick the statue up and they, they put their God, they brush it off and they put it up. But yet it's in the same place as the presence of God. And so they, they go to bed that night. They come back in and they wake up the next morning. Get this. And the, the statue lost its arms, its heads and its legs. And the only thing that is in one piece is the torso. Why? Because even a dead statue honored the presence of God. Even a dead statue even valued how powerful, how amazing, how wonderful the glory of God is, the presence of God. But yet we may come into church and devalue what the Spirit of God may try to be doing in our life and through our life or in a church service. That even a dead statue honored the Spirit of God. I just keep getting examples here. Thank you. I mean, you know, Psalms 84. David, David is, talk, talks about the house of God and he says, he goes, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell Intense of wickedness. Meaning I'd rather, I'd rather just sit outside of where God's presence is than to sit in any other palace that's available. Man. Do we value that presence like that? Do we value the house of God like that? Yeah, we, we should. He's here. He's holy. Thank you, Father. Let's go back to John 14. Start to close. John 14. Value. This, the Holy Spirit is a treasure that exceeds. Mm. Verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Remember, these are, these are instructions that Jesus is giving before he leaves. So these are really our instructions, right? And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Abide with you forever? Abide with you forever? Forever. I mean, if, if we're going to be with the Holy Spirit forever, hey, let's just start valuing now. 
Let's start recognizing his presence in the now. Let's recognize his purpose in our lives for the now, not just someone, okay, well, I'll, I'll honor him later on. No, let's honor him now. He will help her that he may abide with you forever. Then it says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now think about that. So when we talked about value in the Old Testament, that was just a presence that would be with them. But here he says this presence would be in us. He goes, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Now look at verse 20. At that day. Say that with me. At that day. There's been some, a lot of theological discussions about what that day means. Some people believe it's the resurrection. But what I believe he's referring to is the day where the Holy Spirit is poured out. I believe at that day is the day of Pentecost. Why, why do I say that? At that day, you will know that I, no, I'm in my Father and you in me and I in you. So the moment that you recognize and you receive him as the helper and the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, you will know that you're in the Father, the Father's in you, Jesus in you, you're in Jesus, and he's all up in here. He's all, he's all up in here. He is, he is all up in here. He, I am wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Why? Because at that day, I am in my Father and you in me. So if Jesus is in the Father, and you're in Jesus, that means the Father's in you. And that means Jesus is in you. He says, and I'm in you. I'm in you. Romans says this, that the, something the Spirit of God does, the Spirit of God says it bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit is a valued treasure that exceeds in my life. And when I made him a part, it caused me now to be God inside minded. There was a time where I constantly was led by this, led by my feelings and led by emotions. But when you understand the role of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you to now rule and reign in your life. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Thank you, Father. Let's look at verse 25. These things have I spoken to you while I being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Neither let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have this gift that exceeds. Thank you, Father. 
1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6.17-20 says, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. The Holy Spirit is the most valuable gift. He is a treasure that exceeds. He brings fruitfulness, fullness, and fulfillment. Thank you, Father. Stand to your feet. He's a treasure that exceeds. Just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. I want you to listen to me. What does the Holy Spirit do? Just listen to this. He convicts. He comforts. He guides. He strengthens. He reveals. He sanctifies. He empowers. He fills. He teaches. He bears witness that we're children of God. He anoints. He brings unity. He sets free. He quickens mortal bodies. He speaks to, in, and through humanity. He brings liberty. He transforms. He gives us access to the Father. He enables us. He moves. He brings things to our remembrance. He dispenses God's love in our hearts. He is the Holy Spirit. See Him as a treasure in your life today that brings fruitfulness that brings fullness, that brings fulfillment. Hallelujah. So we just worship the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Father. Just wait on the Holy Spirit for a moment. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Oh, Father, we repent, Father, in our lives where we haven't treated this gift. That we haven't treated the helper as a treasure that exceeds. Lord, if the word went forth today and the Holy Spirit brought conviction to our hearts, right now, Lord, we repent. Where we haven't given access to the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts to direct us. Thank you, Father. Lord, this is a desire that you want all of humanity to know and to experience. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Yes, Lord. You know, to operate in anything greater then what we operate in right now takes, first of all, desire. If you don't desire for more, 
you'll never receive more. It's true. You're going to pursue after what you desire, right? Thank you, Father. Jesus, in John chapter 7, there's disciples, doctors of the law, standing around. He, he said, if any man is thirsty, he says, let him come unto me and drink. And then he says, out of them will flow rivers of living water. You're like, oh, well, Jesus was talking just to them at that day. No, he wasn't. Because you have to read the rest of the verse. He said, he was speaking of the spirit that had not yet been given. So Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. My heart this morning is that you would be thirsty. That you would be thirsty. That you would have a desire for more. That you'd have a desire for greater. That you'd have a desire to, to, to understand more of the Holy Spirit. A desire for, to be in God's presence more than anything else. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth said, I, I, that, that I desired to be under the anointing. I desired to be in the presence of God for five minutes more than to have everything else in the world. Just if I could be in God's presence for just five minutes under the anointing, I, that nothing else compares to the anointing. Nothing else compares to it. That needs to be our value system as believers. Nothing else matters. Hallelujah. Pastor Phil and Diane, Eric, Nikki, Annette, Thrive Group leaders, if you can come forward. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. Now, when Jesus was ministering to the woman at the well, he said, um, he goes, I would have given you water. That you would never thirst of again. But see this water he was referring to. Was eternal life. This was a different kind. This was, this was salvation. But when you get to John chapter 17. He was speaking of the spirit. That's why there's two different distinct experiences. There is the new birth. And then there is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But the woman with, at the well made the statement to Jesus after he had done that and said, she said, give, uh, give me this water so I don't have to come here to draw anymore. I say, to my, I say out of myself this morning, Lord, give us this water. And you, you say, Pastor Justin, I want this water. That Jesus said, all who are thirsty, let them come unto me and drink. Lord, give me this water. I want you to start coming up right now. Start coming up right now. And as you're making your way up, say, give me this water. I want this water. Maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit before. 
Maybe, maybe you've never, never filled. Just, and just come to, the, come to the couples that are up here. Hallelujah, Kermit. Just, just come to the couples. Let them pray for you. Hallelujah. Give us this water. Give us this water. Hallelujah. Thank you for this water. Hallelujah. All who are thirsty, let them come unto me and drink. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, thank you for this water. We g- thank you for this water. Hallelujah. Water, water. Oh, Father, I thank you for floods. Floods, floods. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Floods of God's presence. Fre- floods of God's life. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Give us this water. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. That bubbles up. That bubbles up. That bubbles up. Oh, thank you, Father. That we drink in. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. Oh, thank you that you are one that fills. Fills to overflowing. Fills to overflowing. Fills, fills, fills. Saturate through and through. Saturate through and through. Oh, thank you, Father. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Flood, flood, flood. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I thank you for just the new things. The new things that you're revealing to hearts, Father. Hallelujah. That they'll know. They'll know there's something more. There's something more. Hallelujah. That you've taken them and carried them this far up to this time in their walk with God. And some are here by divine appointment this morning that, that they, they, they understand now there's something more. There's something more. Hallelujah. That there's something that they've been lacking. There's been something that they've been lacking, but, but, but they see, they see. They have eyes to see this morning. And your prayers, you've been just even praying, Lord... I know there's something more, but I'm not sure what it is. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I, I just want God. I just want God. I just want, I just want God. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's life in your presence. There's life in your presence. Oh, thank you, Father. Mm. Mm. Let that be your declaration. You may even be here like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure about this church. I'm not sure, but. Mm. So all you have to just pray, just even if you say, Lord, make me thirsty. I, Lord, I, I'm not thirsty. I'm not really desiring more of you, but I, I want to. I want to. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Give him praise this morning. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for the peace that comes from your presence. Ah, thank you, Father. Do you receive something today? Hallelujah. So, 